Welcome to the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Conversations from the Diaspora with Love, a Building Africa's Future podcast. And this is your sister and your friend in Kiru. So on today's episode, I'm joined by one of my great friends, another one of my best friends who I've known for so many years of my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, let's, I'm going to give her a chance to introduce herself. So, Toy, would you do the honors? Sure, I am at Twinia B. Edmond. That's T O Y N I A B E D M O N D on all of social media. Um, like you said, we've been friends since middle school, best friends since high school. And our 10 year anniversary is coming up. <laughs> anniversary is coming up this year. So it's been almost two decades. Yeah, I know we're getting we're getting up there in age. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's so crazy. But <laughs> I am a moderator in Building Africa's Future. I am a domestic violence survivor and advocate, family advocate. I also have a podcast, two podcasts. Just just a lot going on. Oh yeah. Media, you'll see everything. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So guys, uh- I had two other friends who were, who were supposed to join us tonight, but they weren't able to make it. So we will continue this conversation. But just to get things on the road, um, today we're going to be talking about in the community, what that means to each of us. So as I, as I mentioned tonight, I have my friend Toynea on the line. So she and I are going to kind of bounce off each other. Uh, have been as far as, you know, collectively in the diaspora and individually, what that means she was born here i was born in nigeria so our experiences are will definitely be different but i'm interested in knowing some of the parallels as well so i'll start off by saying that um i'm a nigerian american what some may call a 1.5 or a second generation immigrant which is something that i'll talk about in in a separate episode i'm Igbo by ethnicity born in nugu state nigeria but in my culture our origin is traced um from our father's side so I am from a number of state. I've lived the greater part of my life in the U.S., the beautiful city of Charlotte, North Carolina, to be exact. <laughs> um, but I currently reside in Newark, New Jersey. Um, so now I want to open the floor for discussion. Um, feel free if there are any things in particular that you want to kind of elaborate on. Some are just kind of basic, simple answers, but feel free to kind of go in and you know talk about what you want about because we just want to get at least a good forty-five to. 45 minutes to an hour going of conversation. Does that sound good? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, perfect. So to start off, in a few words, what is or where is home for you? So, oh, that's such a loaded question. Um, Home for me would be Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I mean, I've lived many places within the U.S. I was born here, but home for me is, you know, where my parents are, my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, where I go to, you know, to regroup and realign and Mm. feel that real love again before I go out into the world. (laughs) (laughs) 
to battle adulthood, you know. So oh, yeah. home in Charlotte, where the majority of my family lives. Okay. I'm actually glad you answered that way because my second question, which I actually should have asked it along with the first one, is home where you were born? Is it where you live? Is it where you grew up? Or is it where your family is from? So I think at different points in our lives, we kind of define home differently, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause I was born in Lan- I was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Lived in um, Greater Philadelphia for a few years. Lived in Chicago. Lived in DC. Lived in Charlotte. Now I live in Greater Atlanta. <laughs> so I guess you could say I'm a nomad of sorts, anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, for sure, I would say home is where my family is okay. you know, I mean I have family in all of these different areas but I guess where my grandparents are because they're the foundation mm. okay makes sense yeah I know different cultures um, kind of view foundation and matriarchy and patriarchy differently but yeah. my grandparents like they had a, a large influence, a huge influence in how I was raised and what I believe now and all of that. So going back to where they are and being around them is definitely important to me. Okay. And I'm actually, um, you know, just to add to that point, I know, are there ever um, times in your life where you feel like you don't particularly belong? Um, maybe because of our generation millennials, so sometimes older generations kind of view us as you know whatever they might want to view us um and I, the reason why i ask that is because for me in particular and i think many people who are in the diaspora and by diaspora i'm, I'm not referring specifically to the greater group i'm specifically targeting who are whose families like immediate families come maybe let's say from the continent so uh for me and many in my kind of uh community sometimes we don't feel like we always fit in and with our parents and like their generation, you know, back home. And then like here with, uh, let's say black American, which is kind of what I want to kind of look at in tonight's uh, discussion. So um, to that effect, how do you identify as a black person? And have you all yourself in this way? If not, what changed your perspective? So, <laughs> and Kira laughs at me all the time because I use the term regular black. <laughs> <laughs> because okay so like I said you know me and the have been friends since middle school got close to high school and we started to really intermingle with each other's friends in college mm. so anytime I would ever go to any like African or whatever event at UNCC like we went to UNC Charlotte or like at your church or anything like that I've always been asked, like, oh, are you from Ghana? Are you my dear friend? I'm like, oh, no, I'm here. <laughs> and then I did, then I get like a frown, like, oh, okay. So now I just say, like, I'm just regular black. I'm not from anywhere special <laughs> or anything like that. I'm just regular black. I was born here. I'm probably going to die here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, is being regular black, do, do you say that in like, um, is there any kind of negative connotation to that or is it just how you choose to simplify or like when do you use that expression when you're when you're uh, speaking with African people from the continent or yes so 
Okay. Um, there's this assumption that because I am well spoken when I choose to be, <laughs> I carry myself well. Um, I was married. I was taking care of my son. You know that type of thing. That I must have been. I must have been like from the continent because you know the regular blacks or the blacks who were born in the states, you know, they, they're they not educated and they don't take care of themselves and they don't know who they are and, you know, that type of thing. So when they hear that I'm regular black, quote unquote, there's like a shock and a surprise. Like, oh, really? You know, you're you're so well-spoken or we, I thought you were from Ghana or I thought you were from Liberia or, you know, or wherever. And I'm like, no, regular black. <laughs> Kind of like a, you know, I know what the stereotypes are, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, stop listening to the stereotypes, basically. All right, so why could you uh, continue to elaborate what you were discussing as far as like, you know, stereotypes? You started to mention that. Yeah, so the reason why, okay, so the first time I saw the term regular black was when I, it was like a, there was a Twitter thread about some like black kids that go to Harvard. And everybody was assuming because they were at Harvard that they must have been African because only African blacks, quote unquote, I guess, whatever, continental Africans. Mm are smart enough to go to Harvard. They're the only ones who are like dedicated enough to go to Harvard. So they started using, you know, the hashtag black. Like I'm regular black okay, and I'm also okay. smart enough to go to Harvard. I'm also dedicated enough to go to Harvard. So that's where I got the term regular black. I'm like, yes, I can be just as smart as you are, just as hard as you are. And be yeah. from the US. Exactly. So I guess like to kind of continue that point, um, my next two questions, how do you relate with other members of the diaspora, um, specifically with you? How do you relate with, let's say, continental Africans? And um, have you had positive or negative experiences in the past or even now that you would like to share? Sure. So for me, it's definitely it's, it's always both. Um Okay. But I would like to say I've had more positive than negative. Um, okay. I would like to say that. <laughs> um, okay. Unfortunately, that's not the truth. I do get a lot of side looks and you don't understand what's going on or you wouldn't get it because you're not from whatever the country is, whatever. And I'm not sure even some Africans get that. If you're Nigerian and you go to something that's Liberian, if you're from Congo and you go to something that's Nigerian, I mean, I'm sure there's a, you're not going to understand what's going on kind of vibe in general, but if if they yeah. find out that you're not from the continent at all, there's like a, you're like excommunicated from the club completely type of attitude. And I really hate that. Like, it's such an unfortunate way of thinking, to be honest. Yeah, because it's literally like, come to our event, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as you say, like, you know, I'm not from anywhere, like I'm regular black. They're just like, oh, well, never mind. Like, okay, what if I still wanted to come to the event? Like, I don't know. It's 
So would you say that you don't always feel welcome? Yes. Or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I know. I know of of the stereotypes. I know that they probably had experiences with, you know, um, U.S. Africans, like if you want to say that, or Black Americans or whatever, you know, whatever term you want to use. So, you know, they may be looking at from their past experience and they're saying like, you know, we're not going to deal with those type of people or whatever. Because, I mean, I grew up hearing people call Africans, um, what was it? Stupid. Af- uh, what is the African booty scratcher or something? <laughs> I mean, you know. And I mean, our, our friend Steven from um, middle school and high school, I used to tease him about his accent. Just to joke with him, like, I thought his accent was cute, but, you know, we've all kind of played our part in making fun of or, or whatever of continental Africans at some point. So. I try not to look yeah. at it at, on like a personal level. Like they they don't want me around. It, it's not that. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually what I was gonna ask you. Like, you know, what are some things that you heard kind of either maybe from home, like within your family unit, or maybe you know within the I guess Black American community. Um, what are their general I guess you could say perceptions that they have, or that you all tend to have um, about us as continental Africans outside of the, you know, whole African booty scratcher thing? Like how. How else did you, would you say when you had conversations about us, maybe when you were growing up, do you remember any of those conversations? Like, were they negative? Were they positive? I mean, I know your family is very pro, you know, <laughs> pro-black. Pro, so, so that's kind of a different experience. But but would you say generally, I mean, how, how would you say maybe your family viewed African people maybe then versus now? Is, would you say there are any differences or any things you can add to that? For sure. So... It's definitely about how you're brought up for sure. Like I never grew up calling any Africans African booty scratchers. Like that that would be yeah. what I was taught. Um, because you I mean like like you said, my family has always been very um militant, very pro-Africa, very Sankofa, you know, like reaching back, exactly. you know, that type of thing. So like I always grew up watching the documentaries and seeing the pictures and I never <laughs> saw Africa in a um you know them kids in Africa they always they be starving over there they starving to death in Africa like yeah. I never really saw that outside of the um those stupid infomercials <laughs> you know for 10 cents a day you know those stupid oh man those were terrible <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was the only time I ever saw like real negative images of Africa. I've I've, only, I've grew up seeing and reading the positive about Africa. So yeah, and my yeah, I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, so it wasn't until I got to we moved to Charlotte and I was around um, more Africans and stuff like that that I heard my peers saying negative things. Mm. Like, you know, they smell different or their house smells funny. That type of stuff. Oh, you know, okay. Such and such is upset because she got to be on her test. You know how those Africans are. They have to keep straight A's. Oh, wow. Interesting. I'm surprised that you hear, you heard that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's different, a different uh, perspective. I, I didn't expect that you would. Cause I know, you know, of course, you and I, we've had these conversations all the time, but I didn't know that 
outside of maybe you and I or other people like that that people thought in the same way like oh maybe they want to always get good grades or I didn't know that that's, that's thank you for enlightening me on that um Africans are associated with like continental Africans are associated with being like lawyers and doctors and engineers mm. like y'all are the talented 10 okay okay or black or you know <laughs> oh my gosh picking up trash and living on welfare and you know those no. are the, the welfare queens whatever like those are the the stereotypes yeah a bunch of kids out of wedlock <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's, it's interesting because we had a somewhat similar experience. Like, you know, I've told you before, my dad, we never, like, he, he used to always show us all of these videos about, like, African civilizations and, like, the role that Black Americans played and so many great things that uh, we have in the world today. So my experience growing up was a very, you know, as it relates to Black American history in particular, it was always a very positive and favorable kind of but as far as like my relations with, let's say black Americans um, growing up wasn't always the best only because of that whole, you know, African booty scratcher trope and other negative imagery that obviously the media feeds people. And just like, I guess you could say a lack of exposure. Thank goodness today we have, you know, social media and the internet and all these other great resources where people are kind of seeing Africa in a very different and positive light. Of course, you, you're always gonna have your, you know, Sorry to say, ignorant people, but so I have, so I have a question for you then, because yeah. you know you're you were born in Nigeria and everything. Yeah. When you did see imagery of, I guess, um, Black Americans, African Americans, whatever, what did it look like outside of the U.S.? See, that's the challenge because you know I came here at such a young age, so it wasn't like you know I was watching TV and seeing you know oh wow you know for the most part from what I can remember. Um, Nigeria as of that time early 90s the TV the stuff that we were watching on TV again this is very I, I can't really remember because I was only like three or four at that time you know it was more of like you know seeing white people on TV and kind of you know that kind of I wasn't seeing I don't think I was seeing any black Americans or anything like that so yeah so as far as that I would say it would be difficult for me to really answer that but I do know you know some people they probably because again, it's what the media feeds us and Western media, as we all know, is a very powerful you know, tool. So they kind of portray this negative image and that's why I guess in different parts of the world, they see America and black Americans in particular and usually not so favorable lights. But you know, like I said, for me, for my, at least for myself and my siblings, uh, my dad was very intentional on like showing us positive black imagery, um, you know, documentaries and you know all this exposure to like Malcolm X and other pe- great pe- people in uh, Black American uh, history, as well as the Black African diaspora. So you know that part of my education, my upbringing was very positive. But as far as like my direct experiences with um, Black American kids, you know, and I guess some of, some of it you can probably attribute to people being you know kids. You know, kids are sometimes they're mean, but at the same time, I think they also echo what they hear at home like what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. So if their parents kind of have this, let's say negative image of, about Africa, the kids are probably going to in turn, you know, have that same, because, you know, for the longest people would ask me like, oh, are you from Africa? Um, but they would say it in such a way where it's almost like, you know, they're pitying you. 
or they're like kind of making a mockery of you like okay it's it's because of the image okay so like i just wanted to point something out we both talked about how we on on television or in some kind of media or some kind of Mm -hmm. form we see negative imagery of each other exactly and it's it's just crazy because it's like in the states when you look at you know what they're showing on the media in africa a lot of it's not true anyway they're showing like cannibalism which like there's no real history or a real fact showing that there is any cannibalism in africa it's more there there's more history of europeans being cannibal being cannibalists but anyway that's all the conversation um y'all are all like starving to death everybody has hiv aids oh um everybody's like being raped by their uncle or dad or whoever like it's just all like really bad and then on the flip side y'all are seeing that you know we're all like over sexualized and we're spending money on jewelry and the rap videos (laughs) and (laughs) everybody's a baby mama or whatever like we're both seeing negative images of each other so when you come when we come face to face Mm. We're seeing the the media. We're seeing the images that we saw, whether they're true or not. Yeah, yeah. Kind of weird questioning of, you know, are you African as if, you know, just the kind of other you and I hate the fact that we do this within our communities and you know amongst ourselves like we live in a world where we're always kind of marginalized and looked at as of oh, these people and then within our own communities we do that to ourselves so that's a very unfortunate um thing like at you know back when we were growing up being called African was pretty much an insult yeah <laughs> so I guess I guess to go to the next question it's interesting to see how that's changed um so I put well you know, after Black Panther and, you know, prior to the release and everything else, we saw like such positive imagery about Black Africanness and all these things. Um, a surge of Black Americans wanting to connect with the continental Africa in ways that we haven't seen before. Or in our- so some Africans felt that Black Americans were only joining the band because suddenly was in quote quotations cool on that yeah so like I said I I think it's about your community or your bubble so I mm. grew up around people around my family we've like went to Juneteenth every year like I still take my son to Juneteenth now like that's something I'm continuing um yeah we celebrate Kwanzaa and stuff like that so I mean in my community in my bubble we've always kind of celebrated that our roots are like truly from Africa you know Sankofa we're reaching back we're taking some of those principles and you know we're trying to use them in our everyday life um but I mean I think we can circle back to the media topic that we were talking about before like now that we have positive images, real positive images of Africa in the media now, mainstream. Like mm. I think um, Black Panther won like an Oscar or something. Yeah. 
So now that it's fully being celebrated, now I feel like a lot of people are actually comfortable with celebrating it. Like, yeah, you know, Wakanda and Africa and yeah. I, I I feel like it's more so that not so much like, oh, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. I think everyone is just finally happy to see positive images of Africa now because we don't get to see a lot of that. You only yeah. see the stuff on CNN where, um, you know, it's war torn. Yeah, yeah. So, but you can see why or how many, you know, in the diaspora kind of or feel, well, they weren't rocking with us before. So, why suddenly they want to be all about Wakanda and Africa and everything? Like, can you, you can see why many of us, not me, of course, feel that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with, um, with how a lot of other cultures, appropriate um black american culture oh yeah braids and cornrows what what did they call them um like was it boxer braids something like that bo- bo- boxer braids or boxer ropes or something how they, they were calling do-rags um silk scarves or something <laughs> oh my other, it's the same thing it's like you know back then they didn't want me now i'm hot they all on yeah. me yeah it's kind exactly. of the same thing so yeah, I, I definitely can see the side eye and the frustration. Like, all right, here they go. Like, I, but, I definitely get it. But one thing I would say though, I like the fact that there was and is some level of consistency. I was saying in the past maybe six years, um, we've seen like a lot of movement back to Africa, and um, that's pretty much going to lead us to the next question. Um, so Ghanaian President Nana Akufo Addo, and I apologize if I said his name uh, incorrectly. He launched a year of return for Ghana 2019 initiative to commemorate the 400 years since enslaved Africans first reached Jamestown, Virginia, um, as a measure of encouraging African diasporans to come to Africa, specifically to Ghana, to settle and invest in the continent. Um, also seeing the popularity of Afrochella in Ghana, as well as a significant number of African-Americans traveling and moving back to Africa um, so face-to-face Africa reports that uh, Ghana received nearly two billion dollars in revenue and over one million visitors um, in last year's you know Ghana. Um, so how important is this? Like, what do you think about all of this? I am jealous because I don't have the money to go. <laughs> <laughs> My cousin went last year i want to when did she go i think she went in like december like right before um it ended but she she said it was amazing like she said it was a lot of crying of course because you know you go to the um the door of no return yes the place of no return and all that i i want to go so bad um i think it's amazing um one of the movements for sure that i um supported was Marcus Garvey's movement of just wanting to like take a bunch of us and just go back and start over there okay um, and I and I believe that's how Nigeria was found not Nigeria um, Liberia was founded yes yes that was like yeah bu- oh yeah a bunch of um ex-slaves or whatever sent over there and I mean I it wasn't the smoothest transition but you know uh-huh. um <laughs> because you know there were already people there so it's like now you know y'all show up and y'all saying y'all taking over it's kind of like no you're not but yeah. you know that's a whole other conversation yeah. but 
at one point I wanted to go to Africa to like teach English yeah I mean you know life happened and you know things changed but it's it's always been my goal to to go back Mm. to discover to you know at some point have some kind of dual citizenship like I definitely am like leaning towards that um I think it would be my grandfather's like wildest dream if I was able to go over there and open a bookstore wow that would be amazing yeah Yeah. wow I mean you know I, I mean I'm trying to do that somewhat with Harambe Stories podcast you know sharing like stories of the diaspora exactly um as a whole it would just be as wild as dream if I could open a bookstore in Ghana oh that would be beautiful yeah and um I wanted to like separate this uh particular part for another episode but what can you say about the whole Eidos, or I don't know how to pronounce it, <laughs> African descendants of slaves movement. How do you, what do you think about that? And especially as it relates to reparations, what is your stance? Do you care to share? So, I, okay. I really just want them to get to the loans. Um, so, so, okay. That's going to be so really actually, complicated. Wait. Huh? So, so before before you get into it, for those who are listening, could you please just explain what exactly reparations are? Okay, so reparations is basically um, our related to um, the Jews. So the Jews are giving reparations for the Holocaust because it was in the a horrible event that should not have ever happened. Just beyond horrible. So I think some of the people that are still alive, it's not a lot of them left. But they still get like yeah. a check every year for like a couple hundred dollars or whatever for reparations because you know the Holocaust. So yes, um, there's a movement saying that um, African descendants of slaves deserve reparations as well. Now, the reason why that's going to be really hard to do. What I'm with is, I know for sure I am a direct descendant of slaves. Um, okay. my cousin owns about two acres of land. It was um a little more than forty acres after slavery ended, but you know. Oh wow! But you know, we need to build a highway. We're um, raising the taxes, and like, you know, they always found ways to kind of take some of the land. But anyway, mm. we have <laughs> two acres of it left, and that was land that we got directly from a former plantation that my family worked on in Belmont, North Carolina. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, so we'll be able to show like, hey, this is our family, we're the descendants, da-da-da-da, you know, give us the money, forgive some student loans, give business grants, whoever they decide they're going to do it if they decide to do it. But it can get really complicated because how African or Black you need to be to get it. Mm. You know what I mean? Because there's so many people that are like my great, 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 great grandmother. You know, like um, finding your roots. Yeah. Everybody finds out that their great, 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 great 
great grandmother was a slave. Yeah. So, I mean, so do they get some money? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated conversation, I feel like. Yeah, it's definitely going to be unfair as far as like who gets money, who doesn't, because then you don't want to do the whole paper bag thing. Mm. Like, if you appear black, then you get some money. Because, you know, there's some people that don't, quote-unquote, appear black that are black. And it's just going to yeah. be really complicated. So, I guess to kind of uh, parallel a little bit with our conversation earlier about, um, you know, Wakanda and, you know, continental Africans and how we uh, tend to view Black Americans now due to, I guess, this surge in interest in uh, the continent. I know there are some discussions that people are saying, you know, do Af- can Africans, continental Africans, uh, qualify for reparations? If so, or, you know, so I guess that's kind of where this whole Eidos movement started. Like, you know, we, the ones who came here and worked the land and et cetera, et cetera, we deserve these reparations. You all who, I guess, willingly came here do not deserve it. So. How do you kind of make those parallels between these conversations? Okay, so... So it's kind of complicated because... I, I could be wrong, but it, it looks like people that migrate here are given different advantages than those who are already here. If that makes sense. Mm. As far as like opening a business, getting the scholarships to the schools and stuff like that, like yeah, there just seems to be a surplus of opportunity for migrants in general, not even just Africans, but just migrants in general come here to open up a business, but yeah. if I was to come up with a business plan and would go to a bank and try to get a business loan or a grant, I'm being Take told no. So, y'all... It's already kind of looked at as y'all already have an advantage anyway. Mm. So why do you need something else? Like, yeah, y'all already come in and y'all are like twenty steps ahead of, of us. We're like under the ground trying to like dig our way up to the surface. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. This that's that's what we were saying. This conversation really does get kind of tricky. Because let's say, for example, I married a Black American and, um, you know, our children, you know, still have, you know, his, the, the dad's lineage from, you know, Black American history and everything else. Like, would they be able to qualify for? Right. <laughs> it's really weird. And then even if, like, how are you determining the lineage? Is it through the mother? Is it through the father? Because... Yeah. You know, due to mass incarceration, before that, due to like lynchings, a lot of fathers disappeared or died or whatever. So, how are you like tracking everything? Mm. Yeah, there has to be some type of solution, you know, better way to kind of address this issue because it's been over 400 years. <laughs> and, um, you know, this discussion needs to be like seriously had. And I'm glad that more people are talking about it because. And I think I think at a certain point we just kind of thought about it as you know some type of passing thing that we were, and by we I'm just kind of including myself in this conversation, not necessarily saying that I'm part of it, but just as a collective, you know, in the collective spirit, um, <laughs> you know, we were promised so many things, but 
you know conveniently as generations have passed it's like well you weren't you know you weren't a slave or you you know <laughs> no one alive was a slave you know we tend to hear all these different things or or my grandparents had nothing to do with slavery you know we hear so many things so <laughs> but anyway that's definitely going to be a separate um episode but toy you mentioned something that i wanted to uh grab onto before we kind of round up you mentioned how your family's roots uh, uh in belmont north carolina so mm-hmm. to that effect how often do you um you know do you all share these kinds of stories about your family history like when do these stories come up um who tells these stories and how do you plan on i guess continuing that legacy with nate uh you know your son and you know in the in the future how do you how do you plan on I guess making that come full circle if that makes sense oh my gosh i'm so glad you asked that so we need to get back to it i'll put the bug in my grandmother's ear so we used to have our family reunions on that land mm. so every year um, belmont's pretty small so every year we would go to like the family's church in belmont wow. and we would like eat in the reception hall and we would all walk down and my grand aunt claire used to live there and my cousin and my grandmother were like tell the story of great aunt clara and the land and all of that and it was just so like oh my gosh this is so great like i, I remember taking my my shoes off and like putting my feet on the ground wow and just like wanting to we're like really feel that connection that's beautiful so in a way that i want to continue it is and i need to call her because i want to do it when i go back to visit in may i want to interview my grandmother and try to get as much of yes. the lineage that she knows as I can. Yes. And I want to record it. Because we don't have a family Bible. We don't have a, you know what I mean? Like, mm. how do we, how do we keep track of like of our family and our lineage if we're not acting our elders for it? Exactly. So, and I'm also, you know, I'm trying to carry down the traditions as best I can. So I'm learning how to cook as many dishes for my grandmother as I can. Like, every time I go to Charlotte, I'm like, what we cooking this time, Nanny? Like, what you gonna see if she gotta cook? <laughs> see, I love Cause that. Because, you know, because, I mean, whether you're from the continent or not, we all, like, share our love for each other through food. Mm, that is true. That is true. So, yeah, so I just feel like it's important to that I learn how to cook the the black eyed peas and the collard greens for New Year's Day and, you know, that type of stuff. Nice. I love that. Like, I really, I really want more of us to kind of have this interest in connecting with our elders because we don't, we don't know how long they have with us. And thank goodness we have the technology today to, like, take their photos, you know, record conversations with them. Like, there's so many ways that we can share and preserve these memories that previous generations did not have. So I think we should take advantage yeah, of, you know, I, all yeah, these I've, I've, been, I've been stealing pictures and stuff. I've been sneaking away pictures. <laughs> And I've been trying to, um, cause you know, you know, after a while the pictures get old and they start to crumble and stuff. So I've been trying to, um, to like scan the pictures and get them on the computer and stuff. Oh, that's good. I'm, yeah, like I'm gonna be the person that's gonna be basically preserving the historian, the family historian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the historian in the family, basically. Nice, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I just one quick question, and then we'll just round up from there. In your opinion, or you know, from what we've discussed and just from what you know or what you feel, what can we do to bridge the gap, you know, this this age old divide between continental Africans and, you know, African Americans and diaspora? 
think what we're continuing to do now with because it started with media mm. it started with the negative images we have to we have to drown out as many of the negative images that we can with positive images nice we have to you know have these really tough hard conversations no matter what you know we have to put aside what you know what we were called and and stuff like that in our childhoods and come together as adults so that we can build coalition together yes like that's what's gonna build Africa's future like righteous there should be a call for black Americans or just or just people of the diaspora to come back to Africa to help cultivate and build Africa not the Asians Mm -hmm. not the Europeans or anything like that so yeah I just feel like coming together in spite of what the history is is going to is what's going to help build Africa's future thank you so much for that would would you say that we are at least kind of making progress from where we were you know before maybe 20 years ago yes I mean you just you just read the the statistics saying that so many people went went back to Ghana and went back to Africa and are traveling and you know all of that to to discover the true nature of what Africa is it's not you know war torn and people are starving like that's not the only thing that's happening exactly because we also have that here right we people are starving here exactly. so it's not just the exactly <laughs> thing. yeah so Toy, thank you so much I really appreciate it it really has been wonderful so I know you kind of touched on a few things that you're working on in the beginning but I'll just give you a few moments to tell our listeners um, how they can reach you anything you're working on and what you'd like to share before we close out Okay, so I am at Toynia B. Edmond. Again, that's T-O-Y-N-I-A-B-E-D-M-O-N-D. I would love to promo my Harambe Stories podcast. It is available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. It is a podcast dedicated to reading Black and African children's stories. Um, I feel like every time I go to look for a story that I want to read to my son, I'm either like given like the different cartoons of animals or it's a story that's centered around white children. My son gets very bored when he doesn't see images that look like him in stories. Mm. So I started my own podcast. I'm, you know, reading and promoting other you know black and african stories if you are an author and you would like your book featured reach out to me via social media that's at twinia b edmund um that's all for now i think yeah <laughs> thank you so much toy all right guys so thank you we've had a wonderful time uh talking with you and again we just want to thank you for joining the conversation again this is conversation from the diaspora with love a building africa's future podcast please subscribe please share with your friends And let us know what you would like to um, talk about in upcoming uh, episodes. And in the meantime, if you would like to contribute, my cash tag is dollar sign NKIRU, N-K-I-R-U-O-B-O-B-I. You can contact me um, by email, buildingafricasfuture at gmail.com. Follow on social media, um, Instagram, at AfricanMinded or at buildingafricasfuture. And again, you know, you can feel free to subscribe on um, Anchor, Spotify, Google, 
and iTunes. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Until next time, I wish you happiness. I wish you love and be well. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>